0: Wheaties presents Dangerous Assignment. On stage tonight from Hollywood, Dangerous Assignment, another in the Wheaties big parade of exciting half hour presentations. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell.
1: Yeah, danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though. Trouble. But... When I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize that this assignment's going to end up with my having to decide whom to hand my gun to, the guy who's trying to help me or the guy who's trying to kill me. Good morning, Commissioner. Steve, have a seat. Thanks.
2: Ruth.
3: Yes, Commissioner.
2: Steve's here. How are you doing with this plane reservation?
4: All set. And tell him I've even got a bottle of mosquito lotion for him.
1: Mosquito lotion? Sounds like I'm going to get stung in more ways than one.
2: Where are
1: you sending me? Africa.
2: Oh, great. Steve, you know how vitally important Africa is to most of the world as a source of raw materials. Well, we have positive evidence that certain interests have sent a man to Africa to conduct a hate campaign against us with the tribal witch doctors.
1: Witch doctors?
2: Now, look. Sure, it sounds fantastic, but unfortunately, it's true. And uh, you know how much influence those witch doctors have with their tribe. If they ever form into a block against us, the entire position of the United Nations in Africa will be in serious jeopardy. And most of the vital raw materials we get from there will be cut down to a trickle. Mm -hmm. Who is this visiting fireman who's stirring up the trouble? We don't know his name, but according to our information, two British agents have caught up with him and have him in their custody. At present, they're somewhere in the interior, heading for the Gold Coast.
1: You want me to meet them there?
2: Yes, at the Fort of Sekondi. Your plane will get you there the day after tomorrow. Now, Steve, it's vital to us to find out all we can about the organization behind this man. They're depending on you to get the whole setup out of them.
1: Lucky me, right in the middle again.
2: When you get to the port of Secundi on the Gold Coast, go to the Black Ivory Bar. You'll be contacted there. Now, Steve, get over there. Talk to this man. And get enough information on his organization so we can smash it to pieces. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. (laughs)
0: Dangerous assignment will continue in a moment. Now, here is the Wheaties man, Frank Martin. Begin a great day with Wheaties. Yes, if you've got a morning full of
5: work tomorrow, get a breakfast full of Wheaties. Stride through the morning high, wide, and handsome with breakfast of champions. Begin a better breakfast with Wheaties and milk and fruit and see if it doesn't make a difference. See if you don't work better, work easier, and finish feeling fine with Wheaties to help. Because, listen... There's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties' flake. A whole golden kernel rolled out flat and toasted. Yes, there's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties' flake. That's why Wheaties at 7 can help at 11. Whole wheat energy Wheaties have for you. Whole wheat vitamins and minerals, protein too. No wonder they can help make a difference. You try it. Try it tomorrow. See for yourself how Wheaties at 7 can help at 11
1: that's the nice thing about my job the commissioner always tries to make it sound so easy all i have to do is drop over to africa and talk to a guy who's been stirring up trouble among the witch doctors sounds like a cinch but i've got an uneasy hunch that before it's over some of those witch doctors will be stirring up plenty of trouble for me it's Wednesday night when I get to Sacondi on the Gold Coast, and I head to the Black Ivory Bar. It's almost deserted. But down at one end, the girl raises her eyes at me briefly over her glass. But this is working hours, so I slide onto a stool at the other end of the bar, and pretty soon a fat little
3: gent eases up to me. I have been expecting you, Mitchell. Oh, who are you? Ralph the the one who was to contact you here. Come. Where to? The deserted warehouse at the waterfront. The two British agents are holding the man you seek there.
1: Well, why all this hocus pocus?
3: This whole thing must be, how you say, undercover. The prisoner has many friends who would like very much to know where he's been handled.
1: Okay. Well, how do we get there? I don't feel like walking much in this heat. But oh, this is but a short distance. Hello? Oh, hi. <laughs> you decided you like this end of the bar better,
3: huh? I decided maybe you'd buy me a drink. I'm uh,
1: sorry, I already have a date.
3: You could do better, you
1: know. I don't doubt it, but this is business.
3: Suit yourself. All work and no pay, you know.
1: Friendly little town, isn't it, Digidio? Indeed. <laughs> well, now, come on, let's go. Hey! How much further is this place to get Ill?
3: See the small building we're approaching at the end of the pier? Oh, I don't see any lights in it, though. Uh, but of course not. The windows have been boarded up. Here we are. The door is around this corner. Come.
1: There's no door here. No,
3: indeed, Mitchell. Yeah, I kind of figured this could be a trap. <clears throat> Drop
1: the knife. <clears throat> One more inch and you will be... Drop it <clears throat> before I break your arm. <clears throat> That's better. Now, you and I are going to have a little... He brings his knee up into my stomach and I jackknife. By the time I get my wind back, he's halfway down the pier. There's an old freighter tied up swaying in and out with the tide. And just as he gets opposite, his foot catches on the coil of rope. He loses his balance and falls between the pier and the end of the ship. Ah! What, what? Oh, the girl in the bar. The girl in the bar,
3: otherwise known as Alice.
1: Well, thanks for that warning you gave me in the bar, Alice.
3: I'm glad it registered, Mr. Mitchell.
1: Yeah, the look you sent my way when you told me I could do better than DeGiddeo sort of started me wondering if he was the right guy. So I was ready for him when he tried to spring the trap on me.
3: If you got my message, why did you leave
1: it? Well, I figured I could get a little information out of him, but by the look of him down there, he's not going to do much talking. Look, uh, where's this guy I'm supposed to talk to, the one the two British agents are bringing in?
3: I'm afraid that's going to be up to you to find out, Mr. Mitchell. What?
1: I thought it was all set
3: up. You're right. It was all set up. But they've run into trouble. And it looks like you're going to have to go into the jungle after them. Oh,
1: great. What happened to them?
3: Lieutenant Vance can tell you that. He's waiting for you now at headquarters.
1: Who's Lieutenant Vance?
3: In charge of the local police. Come along. I'll take you to (laughs) him. Well, Mitchell, looks like you're in for a bit of hoop-de-do. What's the setup, Lieutenant? Well, as you know, two chaps from our intelligence picked up this blighter in the interior and were bringing him down here to Seconde. Well, this afternoon, their native guide staggered in here, more dead than alive. He lasted just long enough to tell us that their party had been attacked in the jungle. By natives? No, although it could have been, the way that blighter has the witch doctor stirred up. No, the party was attacked by some let us say, friends of this chap. I see. According to the guide, one of our agents was killed and the native bearers ran away. That leaves our other agent with us somewhere in the jungle with his prisoner. His friends are probably scouring the area for him right now. That's why there's a bit of a hurry unnecessary. Now, uh, if you'll look at this map, sir. Right-o. Here's the area where the attack took place. It's about a day and a half hike from here through some thoroughly nasty country.
1: And you think Withers and his prisoner is somewhere between here and there, heading this way?
3: No, I don't. I think Withers realizes his chances of making it alone with his prisoner are pretty slim. I think he's holed up in that same area waiting for help.
1: I see. That's a lot of jungle there. What do I use to find them? Radar?
3: Well, before their guide left to come here for help, he told Withers the best place to hide. Now, you see this bend in the river, the little point of land that sticks out there? Uh Uh-huh. Well, it's a natural vantage point and a lot of natural concealment there. With luck, you may find Withers and his prisoner at that bend of the river.
1: Yeah, with luck. Well, i better get started right away. How
3: many men can you give me? Well, that's the embarrassing part, old boy. What do you mean? I'm undermanned here as it is, and with the threat of uprisings, I've been ordered to keep every available man ready for action here.
1: Oh, this is sounding peachier by the moment. So I'm supposed to sally forth into the jungle alone? Well, not quite. I can give you a native guide. Gee, thanks. I'm sorry. Orders are orders. Yeah. Hey, look, I've got an idea. How about lending me a few of your men just for a few hours? Lending you?
3: I don't quite follow you, old boy.
1: Look, I wouldn't have much chance in that jungle alone against those four rescuers, but if they weren't in the area, then it wouldn't be so bad. Oh. I see. You want
3: my men to draw them off in another direction. That's right.
1: We could all start out together, and then at the right point, my guide and I could get lost. The rest of the party would keep going in another direction. The rescuers might follow them. That would give me a
3: little more time.
1: At least it's a chance. Yes, yes.
3: We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. I'll get three of my men, and I'll give you the best guide I've got, a chap named Mungo. We'll start in an hour. <laughs>
1: It wouldn't take a very sharp knife to cut this heat, Vance. (laughs) Quite. And I can't
3: say I care for these mosquitoes. (laughs) Your aim is terrific, old man. But these little fellows are nothing. Wait until you run into the kind that try to lift you off the ground. Swell. Ah, we're coming to the river. This is the jumping off point, Mitchell. Halt! Well, at least we've made enough noise for those
1: four guys to be following us, if they're in this area at all. Yes,
3: the rest of us will keep straight on along the river for two hours. Then we'll start a wide circle back towards Seconde. Mongo! Yes, Mona? Take your orders from Buena Mitchell. Guide him to the bend in the river. Yes, Mona.
1: We'll stay undercover here until we're sure the coast is clear. Then we'll ford the river and go up along the other bank. Right.
3: Well, cheerio, Mitchell. Yeah, pep, pep and all that. Come along, men.
1: Here. We'll roost under these bushes on the riverbank for a few minutes... Hell, yeah. This ought to do. One now. Yeah. I hear footsteps. Where? Listen. Yeah. Coming along the trail. See, si. there they are. Yeah. The rescue party. Brother. Six of them. That's even worse than we figured. Shh. They're following Vance's party, all right. Good. By the time they realize they're on a wild goose chase, I hope we'll be heading back with Withers and his prisoner. Okay, Mongo. Let's go.
3: We can cross the river here, Juana. It
1: will not come above our hips. Lead the way. And kindly avoid all crocodiles and snakes. How long you figure it'll take us to get to that bend in the river, Mongo?
3: Oh, we'll not get there before morning, Juana. Hmm
1: getting too dark to go any farther tonight.
3: Yes. I'd better come here for night. Okay. we stay in these bushes.
4: Yeah.
1: Looks like as good a spot as any. Okay, Okay, put our gear here and wait a minute. Hey, what's that? Drums of tribe. What tribe? Friendly, I hope. Not friendly drums. Death drums. Oh, great. Probably one of the tribes this guy I'm after has been stirring up where are they coming from can you tell Uh, no no can
3: tell sometimes near sometimes far no can tell
1: Eh, well needless to say they'll probably keep it up all night too
3: mongo hope so
1: what do you mean you hope so
3: when drums go is not bad when drums stop
1: is bad yeah well they can stop anytime as far as i'm concerned we better figure out a watch schedule mongo watch first okay call me in a couple of hours sitting in the jungle at night, listening to a few assorted animals and tribal drums, knowing there are six armed men gunning for you. It's great for the nerves. But at least I've got Mongo and knowing he's out there on watch is a big help. Finally, I get drowsy enough to doze off. Suddenly, I snap out of it. At first, I think it's a noise that wakes me up. And then I realize it's the lack of noise. The drums have stopped. There's not a sound. The whole jungle is quiet. Too quiet. (laughs) Mongo, I head for the screen. It's bright moonlight now. But there's no sign of Mongo. Then I round the tree trunk. And there he is. He's lying on his back. And his throat has been cut from ear to ear.
0: Steve Mitchell will continue his dangerous assignment in just a moment. Well, sir, I'm all for it. I'm all for you waking up to breakfast
5: of champions. Wheaties, milk, fruit. It's a combination to help you breeze through your morning's work with pep left over. It's Wheaties, the crisp way to get your whole wheat. Because... Yes, there's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties flake. Got it? There's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties flake. No wonder it's Wheaties for folks with big things to do and places to go. No wonder Wheaties at 7 can help at 11. You try them. Get vitamins and minerals for stamina and vitality. Get them in Wheaties. Get protein. Get it in Wheaties. Get energy, whole wheat energy. Get it in Wheaties. Yes, tomorrow morning. Shake out a bowl full of the crisp flakes, the golden flakes, Wheaties flakes. Pour on the milk, put on the raspberries or the bananas or whatever you like at your house, and then dig right in. And know you're getting up and coming nourishment for an up and coming morning. There's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties flake. Sure, Wheaties at 7 can help at 11. You try it. Breakfast of champions. Breakfast for you. (laughs) ¶¶
0: Now, back to Dangerous Assignment and Steve Mitchell.
1: So, Mongo's lying in front of me dead, and I'm on my own. Who killed him? Hostile natives or the rescue party? Suddenly, I realize I'm making a pretty good target of myself standing in the moonlight. I dive for the bushes just in time. There's my answer. The natives don't carry rifles. That means the rescue party has figured out advances in my decoy scheme and they're back on my trail again. I head for the river and wade upstream a couple of hours. I don't want to leave a trail for them if I can help it. Dawn comes and I climb out of the water. The bend in the river is just a couple of hundred yards ahead of me. I wait a few minutes, but no sign of anyone following me. Maybe I've given them a slip. Now my big problem is finding withers and his prisoner. But it turns out to be no problem at all. I get to the bend of the river, and there are two guys in torn clothes fighting on the riverbank in front of me. Ah, so- hey, stop, stop that fight! fight. You what? hurt me both of you. Cut it out. That's better. Now get your hands up in the air, both of you. I'll see her, old man. Oh, shut up and do as I tell you, unless you'd like me to let a little daylight into you. Oh, very well, but you're making a mistake. You let me decide that one. Huh? Well, you must be the two guys I'm looking for. Okay, which one of you is Withers? I am I am. Well, all right, now look. I'm Withers. You're lying, I'm Withers. I tell you I am Withers. So you're both Withers, huh? No, he's well, lying. Well, it ought to be easy enough to prove one way or another. Withers is a British agent, and they always have identification papers. You. You say you're Withers. Let me see your papers. Why, yes, certainly. Oh, well, that's strange. I don't see the have them. Now, wait. This other man stole them from me.
2: I did not. Those papers
1: are mine. Okay, Buster. Suppose you show them to me. Of course. I it's so. Oh, you don't have them either.
2: They must have fallen into the river during the fight.
1: Oh, sure, sure. Now, look, for the time being, I'm going to call you guys Pat and Mike for the lack of anything better. Now, you, you're Pat. I say Mitchell. I don't mind being called Pat, but my real name is Withers, and I think this is all pretty silly. So, you know my name,
3: huh? Well, that of course. You're Steve Mitchell, and you're supposed to meet me and my prisoner here. I see. You don't see Mitchell. This bloke heard me and my partner mention your name before his friends jumped us. That's not true. I heard... Look, save it, both of you. Mike. I gather that's the name you've selected for me. That's
1: right. Well,
3: that's your privilege, of course, but I prefer my own name, Withers.
1: Yeah, but you're Mike, for the time being. I... Hold it. What's the matter? Listen. I don't you hear anything. That's the point. Those birds stop screeching all of a sudden. Yeah, someone coming. Okay, drop to the ground in those bushes, both of you. Uh, now, now freeze. The first one of hear lets a peep. Gets a hole in his head. But Mitchell? Shut up. Yeah, the rescue boys.
3: All right. Quiet.
1: Nice try, Pat, but it didn't work. What do you mean? Breaking that twig to try and attract their attention. Well, that was an accident. Was it? But of course, but course I wasn't an accident. He did it deliberately. Those men out
3: there in the brush are his fellow agents. That's a
1: lie. Keep your voices down, both of you. Come on, we're getting out of here. Just a minute, Mitchell.
3: We can clear this up right now. This chap claims it's me. Very well. Let me ask him a question. Okay. You claim your name is Withers, old boy. But you're a British agent. All right. Who's your superior officer? Major Summersby in London. Sorry. Your information is a little obsolete. Summersby was promoted three weeks ago. Major Holcomb's in charge.
1: Well, Pat, why... I've been out of touch with the home office for some time, but I... Guess no, you...
2: quite. All
1: right, all right. Two can play at that game, my friend. Or you say you're Withers. What's your wife's name? Helen. It's Edith. Now,
2: see... You I... see
1: here, both of you. This is no time to be sitting around the jungle playing guessing games. Look, one of you is Withers, a British agent. The other one is an agent for another outfit, and he's been stirring up trouble with the witch doctors. Now, whichever one of you that is... Has got friends beating the bush for him. Well, right now, we're heading for the coast before those friends catch up with us. That's a good idea, Mitchell. And get this through your heads. Right now, I don't know which one of you is which, but sooner or later, I'll figure it out. And in the meantime, I'm not taking any chances. The first one who tries anything gets his head blown off. You got that straight? Okay, get moving. Well, So the three of us start heading down the river for the coast, with me playing a little game of who's who in my mind and getting nowhere. Night comes and we camp by the river. The drums start in again, which doesn't help my peace of mind any. The three of us sit there eyeing each other like hungry vultures. I sit there holding a gun on them, fighting sleep. Mike finally rolls over and dozes off. And right now, I'd give my eye teeth to do likewise. It's been a pretty rough go for you, Mitchell. Save the sympathy act, Pat. Oh, no, I mean it. It's
5: pretty rough on a chap beating his way through these jungles without any rest.
1: Yeah, rest. Oh, brother, could I do with about 12 hours of sack time? Yeah. Uh, nothing like sleep. You said it. Sweet. I. Mitchell? Mitchell.
2: Mitchell, watch out!
1: What? Get back, Pat! Back! Very well. I just wanted to see if I was comfortable, I suppose. Well, that was too close for comfort. Come on, both of you. You're going to sit back to back against this tree with your arms around it, and it's going to tie you that way. Now, come on over here, Pat. I guess you know who's who now, Mitchell. I'm beginning to get the idea, Mike. Thanks for warning me. I think this is a lot of foolishness. I thought you would. Sit down here. Okay, stick your hands out behind you, both of you. There. Now, a couple of turns of rope, and I think you'll both stay put a while. Listen. Yeah. No drums. The last time they stopped, the guy got himself killed. What was that? I don't know. Sounds like it came from over near the river. i better have a look. I ease over towards the river. Nothing in sight. I start to turn. But just then, a guy drops out of a tree on top of me. He's got a... not a native, either. I knock him off. Then I spot his gun, but too late. Slugs, creases my leg. He aims again, but this time I beat him to it. He slumps over. Then I spot another guy slithering through the brush with a rifle pointing in my direction. I limp back to Pat Mike as fast as I can. Mitchell. Mitchell, what happened?
2: You it's Petey.
1: It sure is. Come on, I'm untying you. But who are they? Oh, a couple of scouts from the rescue party. We have got to get out of here fast and quiet. Okay, come on, get moving.
4: Look,
1: Mitchell... Can't we rest a bit and walking all night? Yes, we'd better stop. Well, that's the best news yet. It's not good news to me, gents. What do you mean? Climbing up to the top of this plateau took what little strength I had left in my leg. Oh, so now we have to carry you, I suppose. Wait a minute. Look, down there, the rescue party. They're just starting up the plateau. Great. So they picked up our trail after all. Well... What now, General? It took us an hour to climb it. It won't take them that long. It's still about three hours to the coast. The way I'm limping, it won't take them long to catch up with us. Well, looks like I've got to make a decision. What do you mean? I've got to decide which one of you is with us and give my gun to him so he can get to the coast with the other guy. What about you? I'll try and find a place to hide until help gets back to me. Okay, I think I know which one of you is which. Pat. Well, congratulations, Mitchell. Mitchell, are you crazy? As I started to say, Pat... You're the wrong guy. What? No. Well, you had me worried for a moment, Mitchell. Pat, stop or I'll drill you. Come back here. That's better. Okay, Mike. There are three slugs left in this gun. One's for Pat if he gives you any trouble on the way to the coast. Here's the gun. Thanks, Mitchell. And
2: congratulations. You picked the wrong man. <laughs>
0: hear the conclusion of dangerous assignment in just a moment first here is the Wheaties man Frank Martin put the sun in the sky and have a great
5: morning begin a better breakfast with Wheaties that's right you can feel well look well work well when you begin a better breakfast with Wheaties and milk and fruit whole wheat energy whole wheat vitamins and minerals protein too high stepping nourishment for a high stepping morning There's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties' flake. Yes, there's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties' flake. No wonder we say Wheaties at 7 can help at 11. You try it. Try it tomorrow. You're eating good to be feeling good. You're getting breakfast of champions. Try it. See for yourself how Wheaties at 7 can help at 11. (laughs)
3: Yes, you're not quite as clever as you thought, Mitchell. I must say you're very obliging, turning your gun over to me. I must say you put us in a bit of a pickle, Mitchell.
1: Maybe not such a pickle, Pat. You see, I had you pegged as the wrong guy right from the start.
3: (laughs) Of course. That's why you gave me the gun. Sorry, but your bluff won't work. Stand back, Mitchell. No, wait. I want you to be nice and close. There, that's fine. Close enough? Close enough. You said there are three slugs in this gun. One's for Pat. One to spare, and one for you in the stomach. Takes longer that way. So long, Mr. Mitchell. What? Empty! Sure is, Buster.
6: You, you did you have, have it figured out. That's right. Let go of me!
4: With pleasure. Ah!
6: Well, you just put back the ten years of my life you took away a minute ago, Mitchell. When you
1: started to give that gun to Mike there, I knew my only chance was to make a run for it, Yeah. You know... There's one thing I'm curious about. What's that? This bloke was so clever with his answers, I began to find myself wondering whether I really was with us. How do you find out about him? Want to know a little secret? I didn't What? Right up until the time I handed him that gun, I didn't have the slightest idea which of you was which. But you 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 told him you'd figured it out. Sure, these guys operate a lot on bluffs, so I thought I'd toss one back at him. So let him think I'm smarter than he was. What he doesn't know won't hurt him. <laughs> All right, old boy. I can assure you I'll be the last chap in the world to put him straight about it. But I say we're, we're still not out of trouble. That rescue party's gaining on us. Yeah, we better get going. But your leg, man, you can't walk Walk fast enough. I know. That's where our friend Mike here comes in. Come on, let's bring him around. Mike? I don't understand. Oh, I've got a special deal lined up for Mike. He'll love it, I'm sure. He gets to carry me piggyback. Come on, let's saddle him up and get out of here. <laughs>
0: assignment starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell is written by Bob Reif with music composed by Basil Adlam and conducted by Ralph Hollenbeck and is produced and directed by Bill Carn. Join us again next Wednesday when Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell embarks on another dangerous assignment. And this is the Wheaties man,
5: Frank Martin, inviting you to listen Thursday, that's tomorrow night, to Sarah Berner in Sarah's Private Caper on the Wheaties Big Parade. See you then. <laughs>
0: Dangerous Assignment came to you from Hollywood. Next, listen for The Falcon on NBC. It's National Wheaties Week. It's National Wheaties Week And Wheaties present Dangerous Assignment On stage tonight from Hollywood Dangerous Assignment Another in the Wheaties big parade Of exciting half hour presentations Dangerous Assignment Starring Brian Donlevy As Steve Mitchell
1: Danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though, trouble. But when I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize it's going to involve my trying to hold Western Europe together with two mirrors, a book of matches, and a rusty razor blade. Morning, Commissioner. Ruth said you wanted
2: to see me. I do, Steve. You're flying to Paris. Mm. But don't get any ideas.
1: Well, I can dream, can't
4: I?
2: I'm afraid this dream's going to turn into a nightmare. Oh, swell. What's the deal? Tell me, what do you know about Aristide Raynal, Steve? Raynal? Oh, sure. The Swiss Sherlock Holmes.
1: A sleuth of the old school, complete with a derby hat, umbrella, and false faces. But a very right guy, even if he is left-handed. <laughs> and also one of the sharpest little detectives in the
2: world. That's right. But I see you don't know the latest about him. What's that? Last night in Paris, Aristide Rinald was murdered. What? Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. I, I really liked the little guy. Who did it? We think it was our old friend Lupak, Steve. Lupak? Is, is he still on the loose? More than ever. Now, Steve, I don't have to tell you about Lupak. He's a hired killer and the cleverest man we've ever had in our hair. I'll tell you how clever he is. He's been operating five years that we know of. We're fairly sure he's implicated in at least a half dozen assassinations, and yet no one even has a description of him. Yeah, I know that. Look,
1: Commissioner, Aristide Reynal was a sort of a friend of mine, but I don't think you'd be sending me over to Paris to find Lupac for that reason.
2: No, there's a lot more to it than friendship, Steve. You see, representatives of several European nations have been trying to hold top-secret conversations in Paris for the last week. What do you mean they've been trying? Every time they schedule a meeting, one of the representatives meets with a fatal accident, and I don't mean accident. I see. We think Lupac is responsible for those murders, that he's been hired to hamstring those negotiations. Now, Steve, they're going to try to meet again next Monday. Lupac's got to be caught before then. Get over to Paris. Work with Inspector Muir out of the Surete and find Lupac. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck.
0: Dangerous assignment will continue in a moment. Now, here is the Wheaties man, Frank Martin. Say, friends, are you celebrating proper? It's National Wheaties Week, you know.
5: National, meaning everybody coast to coast. Wheaties, meaning the whole wheat flakes with a whole hearted energy. And week, meaning seven big days for you and me to buy them, try them, and tell the neighbors. I'm eating them. My family's eating them. How about you and yours? Get Wheaties yourself and get with America. Come on, it's National Wheaties
1: Week. That's what I like about my job. The commissioner's always so nice to me. He gives me a whole weekend in Paris, and all I have to do is find a killer nobody's ever lived to describe. I should be so lucky. Well, it's Friday when I get to Paris. I go to the headquarters of the French Surete, and Inspector Murat is waiting for me.
7: Mitchell, all of us here at the Surete feel we have lost an honored colleague in Monsieur Aristide Renal. Uh,
1: what facts can you give me about Renal's murder, Inspector?
7: Unfortunately, very few. We know only that Rinald's body was discovered yesterday morning in the apartment of a man named Belog.
1: Belog, Who's he? We have no idea, Mitchell.
7: This Belog has dropped completely out of sight. Mm. Do you have any description of him? We have managed to piece together a slight description by questioning the other tenants. Belog is a small man, dark, with a mustache and a Van Dyke beard. He customarily wears horn rimmed glasses and a beret.
1: Great. That description could fit a thousand guys in Paris. True. You know... There's a little idea pecking at my brain, Murat.
7: I should not be surprised if it were the same idea that occurred to me, Mitchell. Namely, that this mysterious Monsieur Belog might be the hired killer we seek, Lupin.
1: Yeah. You got a key to this Belog's apartment, Commissioner? Yes. We have left everything untouched for the time being. Good. Come on. I'd like to take a look at it.
7: As you can see, it is quite a simple apartment.
1: Yeah, pretty bare. You spot any items of interest here?
7: A rusty razor blade in the bathroom. Oh,
1: well, let's take a look. Mm. Yeah. And some whiskers in the washbowl. It is possible
7: that Balog, after the killing, decided to shave off his mustache and beard.
1: So now we're looking for a little man with horn-rimmed glasses, with or without mustache and beard. You know, <laughs> we're getting less to go on by the minute. Funny. Indeed. I do not see any humor in it. No, no, no. I mean, this guy, Baylog must have been a pretty vain gent. How do you mean? He's got two mirrors in here. We, oui, I noticed that. One of them here, over the washbowl on the left side of the room in the corner, and another one in the middle of the wall. And perhaps he needed more light. There's as much light here as there is there. You are right. It is strange. Well, anything else,
7: Inspector? Uh, there on the table, in front of you.
4: Hmm?
1: This
7: matchbook? Yes. Note that there are but two matches remaining on the right side.
1: All right now I'm more interested in noting the name on the cover. Hugo's. What's that?
7: A small restaurant on the Boulevard de Clichy.
1: Hmm. Well, when you don't know where to start, I guess one place is as good as any other, Inspector. Besides, I'm hungry anyway. I'll see you later. <laughs> So I head for Hugo's, and of course every other guy I see on the way there answers Bailog's general description, which gives me a good idea what a sweet job it's going to be, finding him. Inside the restaurant, a mournful-looking little gent is circulating from table to table, sawing away at a fiddle for the benefit of a few moonstruck couples. Then a tall, skinny gent spots me standing in the doorway and comes up to me.
3: Welcome, welcome to Hugo's
1: Monsieur. Are you the official greeter?
3: <laughs> I am
1: Hugo. Oh, good. I'd like to talk to you. Where can we sit? Why, uh, at this table, right here.
3: But if you are selling anything, I am not in the market. Business, it stinks. Don't worry, I'm not selling anything. Oh, no, my friend, I now have much warmer feelings, towards you. In that case, I would like to sell you something. A dinner fit for Ah uh,
1: Later, but right now I'd like a little information. Did you ever hear the name Balog before? Balog? Bailog? Bailog? What are you doing, memorizing it? Oh, but of course, Bailog. A steady customer, noble soul. At least he was. Was what? A noble soul or a steady customer?
3: In Hugo's mind, there is no difference, my friend. But to be brief, I have not seen Monsieur Bailog in here for the last few days. I don't
1: wonder. But before that, he used to come in regularly,
3: huh? Now you're making me slightly uncomfortable, Monsieur. Mitchell, why? Uh, (laughs) Mitchell, uh, very simple. When inquiries are made about my steady customers, sometimes makes them very nervous. Uh, Then they become unsteady customers. And then Hugo's nerves become unsteady because it means he's losing money. I get it. You think five bucks
1: American would steady your nerves, Hugo? (laughs) Would be an interesting experiment. Uh, Place the bill in my (laughs) hands. There you are. Uh Uh-huh. The experiment worked. <laughs> see my fingers; they are not quivering one bit. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? Now about filling me in on this guy Belloc. Of course, of course. He came in here regularly, uh,
3: usually in company of another man. Uh, what did this other man look like? Oh, he was small, about Belloc's size, uh, very inconspicuous-looking man. Let me see. I believe he usually wore a derby hat and carried umbrella with him. Derby hat, umbrella.
1: Hey, wait a minute. Look, here, uh, take a look at this picture. This huh? isn't the guy by any chance, is it? But, uh, but, of course, the very man. And you say that he and Baylag were in here together all the time? Yes, 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 yes. You know the man in this picture? I knew him. His name was Aristide Renal. Well, the two of them seem quite friendly. Hmm. I don't get it unless... Uh, don't get what, my friend? I'll skip it. No? Well, oh, thanks for
3: the information, Hugo. Oh, but uh, there is more. Huh? Indeed. Let us say that you have paid only for the main course of the dinner. Uh, there remains dessert. You know,
1: I don't see why you bother serving food in this place. You seem to do pretty well without it. <laughs> One must leave, my friend. Okay, steady fingers. Here's another five spot. Now, how about the dessert? Ah, you see, over at corner table alone. The girl? Who else? Well, you said dessert and you weren't kidding. French pastry yet. Who is she? Celeste. A, um, shall we say, friend of Baloch's? Mm, that gives me three good reasons for talking to her. Three? What are the other two? Her eyes, of course. Oh, I'll see you later, Hugo. Hi. Hello. Mind if I join you? Why not? Good question.
2: I am drinking Pernod in case you want to buy me another drink.
1: Sounds like an open and shut in case... Waiter, Pernod and uh, Scotch. Oui, monsieur. You're a friend of Baylock's, aren't you? Why? You've seen him lately? Why? Your needle is stuck. <laughs> uh, I owe him some money. Give it to me. I will give it to him. No, thanks. Not that I don't trust you. I just don't trust you. <laughs> I'd rather give it to him myself, Celeste.
2: Suit yourself. I have not seen him lately. I see.
1: Did you ever hear him use any other name beside Leboque? Other name? Lupak, for instance.
2: For instance, no. But why do we talk about Daylock? He bores me. I know something much more interesting to talk about. What's that? Celeste and uh... Steve. Celeste and Steve. It sounds nice.
1: Yeah. Might be an interesting topic of conversation at that. Uh, where do you think it would lead us?
2: Maybe to 36th Rue, Sedan. What's there? My place. Oh,
1: well... Here are
2: your drinks, Missy.
1: Scotch and Pernou. You're a little late, Buster. We're leaving. There you are.
2: Merci, mister. But the drinks, what shall I do
1: with them? Well, you might... No, no, just drink them. Come on, Celeste.
4: Yeah.
1: We drive up and stop at her place and start in. Then I catch a glimpse of a figure standing in the shadows of the alley across the street. Could be Bailog, alias Lupac... Celeste promises to wait, goes inside, and I walk down to the end of the block. Then I cross over and circle around that block. I came up the alley behind the guy, but when I get into the alley, there's enough light to tell me that no one else is in there. I come out across the street from Celeste's apartment, and still no one in sight. I start to turn for another look back down the alley, but just then an arm swings down out of the doorway beside me, and something awfully hard connects over my right ear. Knocks me to the ground. I fight to get up on my hands and knees, but just as I do, I get it again. I grabbed for the legs in front of my blurry eyes, but this guy must be enjoying it. The third time is the charm. Out I go.
0: Steve Mitchell will continue his dangerous assignment in just a moment. It's National Wheaties Week. Hello, this is Frank Martin, the family man. Yes, sir, a family man
5: with a wife and a son and a home like yours. Pretty much like the man around your house, I'll bet. I wake up hungry, and I do mean hungry. But my wife, bless her heart, has a cure for that. She has Wheaties ready with bananas sliced and the cream right handy. You know, that sure is a wonderful way to treat a man. So why don't you try it on yours during National Wheaties Week? If he's anything like me, he'll go for those Wheaties. Yes, and they can help keep him going, too. There's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties flake. Not bad, huh? A whole kernel. So I'm asking you to try Wheaties once during National Wheaties Week, won't you? Try them.
0: And now, back to Dangerous Assignment and Steve Mitchell.
7: Mitchell! Mitchell! Oh. Mitchell! What?
1: Oh, Inspector Mirai.
7: Oh, you are not
1: so bad off after all. I don't take any bets on that. Oh, I'm glad. Brother, my head. What happened anyway?
7: Oh, oh, Well, one of my patrolmen heard a commotion. He saw a man dragging you into this alley. The man fled. When the patrolman saw your identification papers, he called me. And here I am.
1: Looks like I was about to get taken to the well-known ride. Who hit you? I wish I knew. Could have been Baylog. Hey, that reminds me. Come on, Inspector. We should have a talk with Celeste. Hmm. no answer. She may have gone.
7: On the other hand, she may be hiding in there.
1: You got a pass key? We. Oui. Let's find out. Very well. Here it is. Now watch it. Baylog may be inside, too. That
7: possibility has also occurred to me.
1: I'll get the lights. Huh. Empty. You know, there's something that bothers me about this whole setup. What is it? That's the trouble. I can't put my finger on it. It's like listening to a pretty little tune and hearing a discord every now and then. Like, for instance... Hugo told me that Baylog and Aristide Renal were regular customers at his restaurant and that they seemed very friendly.
7: Monsieur Renal was what we might call a detective of the old school. I am sure the idea of assuming another identity and befriending Baylog would have appealed to him.
1: Yeah, like I say, that could be it. And if that was the only discord, I wouldn't pay any attention to it. There are others. Uh, Just little ones like, why the two mirrors in Baylog's bathroom? You think there is a significance there? Right now, I'm having trouble thinking at all with this lump on my head. I'm going back to Hugo's and see if he can give me any more leads on Celeste. I'll check with you later at headquarters. Ah, good evening, Monsieur Nitz. Hello, Hugo. Hey, uh, looks like you're doing quite a
3: business. No, these are not customers. They are woody waiters. Well, waiters, waiters! Today I need a waiter. I put in paper advertisements, and they pour in a flood. Oh, but I do not think that you come back here to talk about waiters. Did you find your friend Belloc?
1: No, no, I can't even find Celeste. No. Hey, uh, there's ten bucks in it for you if you let me know the next time she drops in here. Ten bucks? Ten bucks. Is it a deal? <laughs> My friend, for that I will not only let you know,
7: I will have her here waiting for you in chain. Ah, Mitchell, were you able to find out anything more at Hugo's?
1: Only that he's having employment troubles.
7: Uh, tell me, are you still hearing little discords in this tune we are listening to?
1: Yes, I am. I'm beginning to think that the discords could add up to a whole new tune. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Hmm. Hello? Yes, Oui what?
7: Hello, Kiko. Very well. The trail is warming up, Mitchell. How so? At your suggestion, I have had one of my men watching Celeste's apartment. He reports that a man answering Baylor's general description just went inside.
1: Okay. Well, that sort of knocks my new tune into a cocked hat. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Stop here, Inspector. Celeste's apartment is just ahead. Wait. There's a small open car parked up there in front of the apartment house.
7: Yes, that is the car the suspect arrived in, according to the report my man gave me.
1: Look, here he comes out the door.
7: He's getting into the car. Mitchell, we must not let him escape.
1: Hold it. Doesn't look like he's going anywhere. He's just sitting in the car. He's a little guy, all right. Hugo said Balog was a little guy. He's not wearing glasses, however, and he is clean shaven. Don't forget those whiskers in Balog's wash basin. He could have shaved his beard off. What are you going to do? Have a little talk with him. I'll be back in a minute. Be very
7: careful, Mitchell.
1: I beg your pardon. Oh, what is it? Have uh, you got a match? Why, of course. Here. Yeah. Thanks. Say, I wonder if you could help me. Help you? Yeah. I'm a tourist here, and I need a little information. Oh, yeah. I'm rather than a hurry in. And... Well, this won't take a minute. Here, this is a timetable for the Underground Railway, but... I can't seem to figure out where the nearest station is. Oh, very well.
3: Excuse me. I must put on my glasses. So, now let me see it. Oui, your nearest station is just off the boulevard de Montparnasse. Uh, How do I get there? Uh, Let me see. You go
1: down this street, two blocks, then over one, and then you turn... No, not so fast. Look, here's a piece of paper. Would you write it down for me? Oh, certainly. Sorry to put you to the trouble. Oh, this quite all right. Here you are. Thank you very much. Well, I don't know. Could be Balog, all right. He had to put on glasses to read the timetable. In that case, perhaps we, Mitchell, look. Yeah, Celeste just jumped into his car. Come on, Murat, get this baby started. We... We don't want to lose him now. So, for the next 30 minutes, we chase them down a dozen assorted side streets and alleys, but we can't seem to gain on them. Finally, we spot the car pulled up in front of a four-story warehouse. Neither the little guy nor Celeste is in the car. We pull up behind it.
7: They must be somewhere in that building, Mitchell. Yeah,
1: but where? This is a lot of building, looks like. One of us had better go to the rear entrance,
7: the other take the front.
1: Okay, you, Marat.
7: Marat, get back!
1: Mon dear. Brother. Yeah, this is the guy we were chasing, all right, or what's left of him.
7: Hmm, no identification on him, but that does not surprise me. Well,
1: Mitchell, the case is closed.
7: Our little friend, Balog, realized he was cornered. He preferred to administer justice to himself. Did he? I know what you are thinking, that perhaps he was pushed off the building. Well, perhaps he was. It is no matter. Either way, it would appear our case is closed.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's just the way it would appear. <laughs>
7: Monsieur Mitchell, international cooperation is a wonderful thing, and it has been a privilege to work with you in this affair. But I must say, I am becoming increasingly annoyed at your present attitude. Sorry. It is true we have identified the body as that of Harold Pravda, an unemployed waiter. But to me, this means nothing. If Baylog was Lupac, as we believe him to be, he was quite capable of assuming a dozen different identities. I know all that, Inspector. But I tell you, the whole thing fits into place. Observe. First, we know that Aristide Renal was on the trail of the notorious Lupac. Second, Renal is murdered in the apartment of a mysterious little man named Baylog. Third, we know that Celeste is a friend of Baylog's.
1: Fourth, fourth, we chase Celeste and a little guy to a warehouse. The little guy takes a dive or gets pushed off the roof. Exactamo. And
7: furthermore, this little guy, as you call him, answers Baylog's description, even to the horn-rimmed glasses which he put on to write
1: directions for you when you approach. Hey, hold it right there! What you just said something, Inspector? I remember now. That little guy wrote out the directions for me right-handed. Is this so unusual? It's unusual enough to take us back to Bailog's apartment right now. Baylog's apartment? Well, surely a Baylog is dead... Bailog is dead, all right. But if my hunch is good, there's something a lot more important than Baylog in his apartment. But what could it be? The answer to this whole deal. <laughs> Inspector... One of the things you showed me when we were here in Balog's apartment before was this matchbook on the table. But, of course, that led us to Hugo's restaurant. Yeah, and that's all I was paying attention to at the time. I should have paid more attention to the fact that the remaining matches were on the right-hand side of the book. That means the person who was using those matches was left-handed. Grant, he picked off the matches with his left hand. Aristide Reynal was left-handed. Of course he was, Mitchell. We both know that.
7: But what does that prove? We believe that Reynal was posing as a friend of Balog's. They ate dinner together. Reynal obviously visited this apartment. As a matter of fact, this
1: is where his body was discovered, if you will remember. Yeah, Reynal was left-handed. He probably used those matches now. Come on into the bathroom. Very well. Now, this is the part I couldn't figure out before, Murat, but it sure makes sense now, the two mirrors. But I still do not see... The regular mirror is over the washbowl right here in the left-hand corner of the room. True. Now, pretend you're Baylog and you're going to shave. And also, pretend you're left-handed. Well,
7: all right. I would simply take a razor
1: in my left hand and then... Mitchell. Yeah, that's right, Inspector. There's not enough room between the mirror and the wall on the left side for a left-handed man to shave. Yes. You'd probably cut your nose off. That is why Baylog set up the other mirror farther along the wall. Yeah, Inspector, doesn't it strike you as a pretty big coincidence that both Reynal and Balog happened to be left-handed? What are you suggesting? I'm suggesting that Reynal and Balog were one and the same man. What? But that is impossible. Is it? Look, we know Reynal liked to adopt various disguises. I think he grew a beard, rented this apartment under the name of Balog, and went after Lupak. Then, when things got too warm, he shaved off his beard, but it was too late. Lupak killed him, and his body was correctly identified as Reynold. But Hugo himself told
7: us he had seen Raynaud
1: and Baylor dining together frequently in his restaurant. That's the point, Inspector. That means that...
3: That means that Hugo was lying. You...
1: Well, Hugo, I figured you'd be pretty close on our trail
3: at this point. I had to be sure you were convinced that the little man who, shall we say, fell off the roof was Baylog. Unfortunately, you are not convinced at all.
7: Then Hugo is loop.
3: That's about the way it adds up. I have that honor indeed. Ah, Inspector, the hand away from the pocket, please. I admit there are more artistic ways of killing than with this gun of mine, but I am practical man. I always threw the weapon to the occasion.
1: You were pretty smart in this deal, weren't you, Hugo?
3: Up to a point. When you
1: found out that we believed there was a guy named Balog and that he killed, killed Reynal. you decided to keep the story alive. You even went so far as to hire a little waiter who might pass for Baylog. You made a deal with him to take us on a chase through town. Then you shoved him off the building, hoping that would close the case and take the heat off of you. Stay where you are.
3: So it did not work. However, you are the only two who know it did not work. And you can be easily disposed of uh, Mitchell, stay where you are.
1: Don't worry, Hugo. I'm not getting any closer to you. I'm just walking sideways. Stop. You know, Hugo, for the first time in your life... You're going to have to make a choice. I said stop! Okay. What do you mean? Up to this point in your illustrious career, you've always been told who to kill. Now you've got to choose, me or Murat. I shall kill both of you. Oh, no. We're on opposite sides of the room now, and you're right in the middle. Whichever one you shoot, the other's going to jump you, and you won't have time to get us both. So, which one of us it is going to be? Hugo. You go. Hugo licks his lips, jerking his head first towards me and then Murat. My plan is working. I'm almost to the light switch. Hugo takes another quick look at Murat, and I grab the switch and drop to the floor. I know Murat's got his gun out by now, like I have, but I also know Hugo's too smart to stay in one spot. I listen. No sound. I've got to figure out a way to trap him. Then I think of the small shaving mirror on the bathroom wall. I'm about two feet from the door. I ease into the bathroom flat on my stomach and get the mirror. Then I prop it up against the inside of the door so it'll reflect from behind the door out into the living room. I get behind the door and stick my gun through the crack. Then I take my cigarette lighter, reach back behind me, and light it. He takes a shot at the reflection, and I've got his location pegged. You're at I am all right, Mitchell. Okay, I got the right guy, then. Get the lights. Oh,
7: Indeed, you did get the right man, Mitchell. Hmm.
1: He's still alive, but I don't think for very long. Your mirror device was most effective. Well, I guess it was pretty fitting, Inspector. That mirror was what tipped us off to the whole deal anyway. It would appear
7: the old superstition about breaking a mirror is true. No, no, you're wrong
1: there, Inspector. This proves that that superstition is all wet. Hmm? (laughs) How do you mean? Well... Breaking a mirror is supposed to bring seven years bad luck, isn't it? Well, yes, I I... guess it is. Ah, So it sure isn't true for Hugo, anyway. He should live that long.
0: You have just heard the conclusion of Dangerous Assignment. Now, here is the Wheaties' man, Frank Martin. National Wheaties Week. (laughs) That was my wife. Sure, it's National
5: Wheaties Week. So the Wheaties people asked her if she'd come to the studio tonight and tell the truth about me and Wheaties. Our little boy would have come, but he's only three and a half, and it's about time he was in bed. My wife's name is Maude Lee Martin, and she comes from Kentucky. Maybe you can tell her when you hear her talk.
0: Thank you, honey. Well, I'm surely glad to have a chance to celebrate National Wheaties Week because we're really fond of Wheaties at our house. Our little boy Jeff eats them right out of the box. Your Wheaties announcer, my husband, eats Wheaties too. And I'd like to tell every wife listening, I really do think Wheaties make a great deal of difference in a man's work. I have a real nice feeling when I put Wheaties on the breakfast table because I know I'm giving my family a wonderful lot of real nourishment. If you haven't had Wheaties lately, pick up a package when you're at the store tomorrow and join the Martins at breakfast, won't you?
5: Sure, do that. It's National
2: Wheaties Week. Come on, everybody, to the Wheaties party. Eat a lot of Wheaties like the champions do. Dance together cheek to cheek. This is National Wheaties Week. Eat a lot of Wheaties like the champions do. Wheaties are breakfast to champions.
0: Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, is written by Bob Wright, with music composed by Basil Adlam and conducted by Ralph Mollendijk, and is produced and directed by Bill Carn. Join us again next Wednesday when Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell embarks on another dangerous assignment. And this is the Wheaties man, Frank Martin, inviting
5: you to listen Thursday, that's tomorrow night, to Sarah Burner in Sarah's Private Caper on the Wheaties Big Parade. See you then. And remember, it's National Wheaties Week.
6: Dangerous Assignment came to you from Hollywood. Three weeks from tonight, the great Gildersleeve returns to NBC. It's National Wheaties Week. Yes, it's National Wheaties Week, and Wheaties presents Dangerous Assignment. On stage tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, Dangerous Assignment. Another in the Wheaties' big parade of exciting half-hour presentations. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell.
1: Danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce, but they all spell the same thing. Trouble.
2: Morning, Commissioner. Steve, ever done any snake charming?
1: Well, I tried my hand at charming, but I think they'd resent being called snakes.
2: Why? You're leaving for Bombay, India on the next plane. to study snake, charming? There's a snake somewhere in this deal. How you get him out of his basket is up to you.
1: What's the deal?
2: An American named Carter went to the Indian province of Kualani to sell farm machinery. But when the Maharaja's inspector staged a surprise inspection of some of the crates, he found guns and ammunition there instead. Gun running? What some guys will do for a book. The case against Carter was based on the testimony of a man named S. Gouda. He testified he'd seen Carter dealing with a native agitator that Carter had opened a crate of guns in his presence and had been paid for them.
1: Pretty convincing
2: testimony. Yes, but right after the trial, this Gouda disappeared. Yesterday, he got word to us that he was hiding down in Bombay. He wants to talk to one of our agents secretly. You're the one he's going to talk to. I say he got his address. Uh, heard it is. Steve, for obvious reasons, this has to be done undercover. You can't reveal your identity, and you've got to get Gouda before the outfit he lied for does. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck.
6: Dangerous assignment will continue in just a moment. Now, here is the Wheaties man, Frank Martin. Here are the simple rules for a happy National Wheaties Week at your house.
5: Go to your grocer, buy some Wheaties, and start your breakfast with them every morning. See if you don't honest and truly feel a difference. See if the vitamins and minerals whole wheat has to offer. Don't add up to energy, the Wheaties way. There's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties flake, you know. A whole kernel. So... Won't you join us? Get Wheaties, the whole wheat flakes with the naturally sweet whole wheat flavor. Wheaties, try them at least once during National Wheaties Week.
1: Yeah, I've got my assignment. Going to be a friendly little race. Whoever gets to go first wins. Ah, it's Friday night when I get to Bombay. I register under a phony name at a hotel near Gouda's rooming house, and then I go over. Down the street, there's a small building on fire, but nobody seems to be paying much attention to it. Inside the rooming house, a bored-looking clerk is lazily sketching on a piece of paper.
4: Oh,
3: good
1: evening, sir. Hi. Well, may I help you? No, thanks. I know the room I'm looking for. Hey, you people take your fires pretty calmly around here, don't you? I beg pardon, sir? That building on fire down the street.
4: When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do
1: and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner.